My name's Jeremy Herder, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's guest is Jeremy Herder. Jeremy is a high-performance coach that works with successful CEOs on creating their optimal self. When I first got introduced to Jeremy, you could tell his energy was infectious and that he loved speaking about how to optimize the human being. His story is incredible, and we cover quite a bit of it in this episode, and it starts by how he was told he would never go pro in baseball because he wasn't good enough and he wasn't the right size. And that was just the exact motivation that he needed to become a professional baseball player and then go on to compete in the CrossFit Games in the Masters division and now becoming a successful entrepreneur and coach. We also hear in this episode about how your personal life at home can have a massive impact on your business. And to close it out, Jeremy shares a story about how he changed the life of a taxi driver family down in Mexico by giving him a simple $100 tip for going above and beyond. You are going to leave this episode feeling inspired to become the best human that you can and realize how it's the small little things compounded that will change your life. I hope you enjoy listening to this inspiring episode with Jeremy Herder. All right, I am fired up to welcome Jeremy to the show. Jeremy, welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast. Thanks, fellas, man. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to dive into what becoming your optimal self might look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, but before we get there, I want to start with uh, a little bit of your story. And knowing that you were, you know, pretty athletic, that you've had success at a lot of the things that you've touched and done, but I'm sure it always didn't come that easy. It's never unless you're a, a superstar freak. You always have to put in a lot of work. So my first question to you is really just. When and where did you start noticing that you wanted to outwork, outperform others? And then how did that propel you in life? Man, what an awesome question. I think everybody in life, if we really look at these moments in our life, but I'll show you mine. So my mom will tell you when I came out of the womb, I was like, I said baseball. I was ready to throw baseball. I was going to play baseball. There was nothing, right? Like from day one, but I was never the best kid. I was never the fastest kid. I was actually very small as even through high school, I grew two and a half inches and gained, you know, 20 pounds after high school. So I was that little kid, man. Just, you probably remember that kid. Those of you guys listening, you probably either were that kid or knew that kid on your, but so to go to your question, I was 13 years old. My best friend's dad, who was like a dad to me, because, you know, my dad was an alcoholic, drug addict, never around. My mom got us out of that house when we were kids. So I didn't have, I didn't have that like true father figure, right? So, I mean, I had a great grandfather, but still he worked and all that kind of stuff. So this year we won the championship, my 13 year old year. I'd never made all stars. I was not, again, 
I was the kid you want on your team because I was going to play my ass off, right? And I could play the game. I wasn't going to win you the game, but I was going to hustle. I was going to field it, catch it, throw it. I was fast, but I wasn't going to hit you a home run. I wasn't striking kids out, right? It wasn't, I wasn't the kid going first round, but this was the year, man. We won the championship. And when you win the championship at that level, the coach of the winning team is the all-star coach. So that's my coach. Who's also like my dad. I go on vacation with him, right? So in my own little head, I was like, oh man, this is my year, right? We were the champions of the league. He gets to pick. He gets to pick the last two kids. So the rest of the coaches vote and then he gets to pick the last two kids. So I was ready, man. I was like, hell yeah, this is my year. I'm finally going to make it, right? This is it. He loves me. He's dad to me. We won the championship. I was on, I played every inning of every game. I built it up in my head. Well, we got to the, the closing ceremonies and they announced it and my name wasn't called right? Devastated because I had already built it up in my head, first off. Well, so at the end of closing ceremonies, everybody does that little pizza party at the end, right? You get to bring your little trophy that we got and everybody gets together. All the parents are over here drinking beer. All the kids are playing video games. You guys may have done that in in your towns, wherever you live. And I see him standing over by the corner. And I, I, so I walk over to him, I tug on his shirt, right? He was a big man. He looks down at me and I said, he said, yes, son. I said, how come I didn't, how come I didn't make the Oscar team? Why didn't you pick me? Listen, boys, I'm going to tell you this. And I look, I can tell you what I was 13 years old. I'm 51 years old today. I could tell you what I was wearing. I could tell you what the smells were like. I could tell you what the sounds were. It's like it was yesterday. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, cause you weren't good enough. Look, it sounds harsh, right? It sounds really fucking bad, especially in today's world of everybody gets a trophy. And we got to fucking, everybody should, this should all be equal, this and all this other shit that hard work doesn't fucking matter. Look, I get it. It sounds harsh. And it was. Crushed my soul, man. I stood there, tears welling up. I didn't want him to see me cry. So I waited, ran around the corner, kind of went into the stall of the bathroom and bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, fuck, I got to get out of here, right? So I go to the front and I asked for the phone because I was to call my mom. And I call my mom, the ladies can't use the phone. I'm like, please. She's like, what is wrong with this kid? Right. I'm crying. She hands me the phone. I dial the phone. No, no cell phones in those days. And I call my mom. I'm like, mom, please, 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 please come get me. And she's, you're supposed to stay the night. It's a sleepover, right? Mom, get you. Those of you guys with kids know, like you get a night off, right? Please, mom, please. So she's like, fine. I didn't even go back inside, walked outside, sat on the curb and waited for her to pull up. She pulls up. I jump in the car. The moment I jump in the car. Like that was like the moment, like there was a relief, but it was like the emotion took over, right? I was like sobbing and she's like, what is going on, right? What is going on? And I'm like, just go, 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 please. Can we just go home? Can we just go home? And she's, I'm not moving this car until you tell me what's going on. She literally pulls into the the, the little stall right next to the door. I'm like, oh. and of course, like any parent, she's just going to jump up and go inside and give them a piece of his mind. What? He said, what? He told you what? My, no. And I'm like, please don't go in. Please don't go in. Please don't go in. Here's the thing. My mom doesn't even remember this story, by the way. She does not even remember. I've told this story a thousand times. I've even had the conversation with my mom. She doesn't even remember that day because it wasn't that big of a deal in her life, right? But in that car that day, she looked at me and she's like, you don't want me to go back in there? And I said, please, mom, I'm embarrassed. Please don't. Please don't. She said, fine. Just like he looked me in the eye, she looked me dead in the face. She said, Jeremy Michael, what are you going to do about it? If you don't want me to go in there and handle some shit, the fuck are you going to do about it? Even when I say that to you guys today, like I get a very calming feeling inside of me. In that moment, when she looked at me and said that, I was like, oh, I didn't know this at 13 years old. 
But I'm going to tell you, it says stayed with me and it's still with me today that I still write to myself every time something gets tough. I write to myself, the fuck are you going to do about it? Right. I ask myself that question still to this day. So to, to, in a long way of answering a question, but I want people to understand this. There's a couple real great things that I learned in that moment. Just so you know, I asked her, what am I going to do about it? I said, mom, can we go to big five? It's like the sporting goods store in, in California or even in the US, whatever. I don't even know if they're around today. It's the exporting goods today or whatever. We walked inside and she's like, wait, what? What are we going there for? Let's go to Toys R Us or let's go get some ice cream, right? We're just going to smooth it over. Come on. Let's get the kid a, an ice cream or a toy. We walked inside. I took her to the baseball section. I pointed up. I could still look at it today. It was $19.99. It was a yellow sign. It was on sale. And I said, can I have that? She was like, what the hell is that? I'm like, it's a batting tee. She reached up, she grabbed it. And she's just like any parent. She's like, 20 bucks and this kid's going to stop crying. Yeah, let's go. Like, we're out of here, right? Like, it's the cheapest one I've ever had, right? So she buys it. I got home. I ripped that thing open. I built it. And I promised myself every single day I'm going to hit 100 balls off that thing. Every single day. Rain or shine. Didn't matter what the day was. Didn't matter anything. That I promised myself I'm going to hit over and over and over. I'm going to hit every fucking ball I can. I'm going to hit 100 balls. And through the years, I you know got more balls. I used to use tennis balls when it would be if it was raining outside, so it wouldn't wreck the baseballs because they could soak up some water, but I could still hit. They'd be heavy because they were all wet. So for the next, I mean, 13 years old. So by the time I was 18 years old, I was an all league player. Was getting a scholarship to go play college baseball. The only kid on my team to do so. And I also made an all-star team. I made the All-Valley All-Star team, which is like 30 different high schools to get picked. And I was one of the top picks for that team. First time I ever truly made an all-star team, right? Now think about this. I was 13 the day he told me that. I was 18 years old when it, when I, when it first, when it came to fruition. So it wasn't like I went out back one day and hit some balls and the next day I was great. The next year I wasn't really that much any better. The next year I was a little bit better. By the time I got into high school, I barely made the team as a freshman, barely played as a sophomore. Started to get some playing time as a junior. By the time I was a senior, I was the most valuable player. I was an all-league player and got a scholarship. And it goes back to everything you've ever heard, right? Is that if you think you doing something one time is going to get you where you want to go, don't even do it. You're wasting your time. If I would have had that in my mind, but what, what I learned in that moment to get to where I am today, even the same things, I'm telling you, I use the same mental tactics on myself that I did back then. Do you want to, do you want to make that all-star team? Yeah. Well, then get your fucking ass out there because that's the only way it's going to happen. The internal talk and how we talk to ourselves, I can let myself off the hook. Oh, it's all right. It'll be another day. Okay. But I want to tell you all the biggest lessons are one. Did you hear what I said about me wanting to be on that team that I, because he liked me because I was like a son to him? I never said I earned it, right? I never said that. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't even saying that to myself, that I thought I was going to get there because somebody likes. And that's a huge lesson. I hope people are listening is because that's not how it works, right? Even the people that love you the most, did he not love me? Hell yeah. Do you want to know something? Years later, him and six of those kids that did make the all-star team that were all my friends, wasn't like they weren't my friends. I mean, they were all my friends. They still are most of them, but they paid a ticket to come watch me play baseball in a professional baseball game. And I went and had dinner with them afterward. And there were two kids on there that were like, man, you're the last kid we thought would have made it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you, what you can't measure, what you didn't see was me in the backyard 
while you were out smoking weed and getting beer and whatever, chasing girls, yeah, I was in the backyard. Yeah, I had a bigger goal. But I want people to understand this is that what he did for me that day was the greatest thing you could possibly do. He told me the truth. Like he didn't say I wasn't good enough ever. He said, today, right now, you're not good enough. And you know what? He was right. If I look at it and I look back, I go, if there were 15 kids that made that team, there are 150 kids in the league. So even if I was the 16th best kid, which out of 150 is not bad, but there were 15 better. So guess what? I wasn't good enough in that moment. What? Not that I wasn't good enough ever, if I'm willing to put the time in. And even today, I say to myself, if something's happening, I'm like, oh man, it didn't happen. But I say, it didn't happen yet. Am I willing to keep going? Am I willing to keep working? Am I willing to get better? Am I willing to find the skill that it's going to take to get me where I want to fucking go? Because if it is, then it's only time that matters, right? And the times, so then, like I said, you've heard this a million times, right? They're like, we overestimate what we can get done in a year and we underestimate what we can get done in the next five or 10. Well, I'm living proof, man. Because if I would have just quit then or I just would have, you know, listened to somebody else telling me I wasn't good enough, but I just wasn't good enough yet. And he's right. Go earn your stripes, man. Go earn the right to be on those teams. Go earn the right to be good at something. And that's that was the lesson that today, man, I mean, I teach it. I talk about it, right? Take responsibility for your life, man. Take responsibility. Not his fault I didn't make it. It's not my mom's fault. It's not even my dad's fault who's never been around. It's not his fault. It's me. I'm in control of that shit. I get to control my destiny. I get to be the architect of my future. And I hope y'all out there, somebody told you you're not good enough. And then I want you in your head to go, yet, motherfucker, let's go. Let's go. Sorry. My mom in the car did say, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And that's where I learned the word. So sorry for the <laughs> That moment when you're telling that story, when your mom looked at you in the eyes and just said, what are you going to do about it? That gave me goosebumps, man. Oh. And I can imagine that's one of the earliest times of just like really strong recognition that you need to take accountability for yourself. And so mm-hmm. quick question now, like how are you continually to hold yourself accountable to being your optimal? It's a great question. I love it. My, my question every morning, right, is every day to myself is what is the best version of me do? Because you're not always at your best. I want everyone to know that. It doesn't happen. Like I'm not at my best every single moment of every single day. But when that, when I know I promise myself to get up at 6 a.m. or 5.30 to, to read and, and hydrate and get my workout in and it's cold as shit outside or maybe I'm tired or maybe I had a long day the day before, whatever the excuse can be, I just ask myself that question. All right, man, I feel it. You, you feel like you want to lay here. But what is the best version of you do? What does that guy do? Because I'm not him right now. But what would he do? And now I get to look and go, well, that dude would get his ass up. He'd do nine breaths, put his feet on the ground, and he would take this fucking day by storm, man. <laughs> like, he'd get after it. Okay, so choose. Can either be this slouch that you're playing right now and you're telling yourself all these weak stories, or you can go be him. And nine, no. of the time, I choose him. (laughs) That's awesome, Adam. Obviously, you've got an incredible skill set for wanting to be a peak performer and coaching peak performers and teaching it in that way. I know you work with a lot of high-level executives in that space to get their head right. What is one characteristic you see from them that 
pushes them or makes them think bigger? And I know you've talked a little bit about getting up and doing that, but what's one characteristic that you see inside of all of them that they're able to find that gear to take it to that next level? So the way I would answer that is this, you're right been very fortunate to be around some high-level performers, whether it be an athlete or CEOs, billionaires. And what's interesting is there's a, well, I don't know if people can see this. Anyways, there's a, right behind me, I have a glass that says, if you look way broadly, you see it in everything. It's a samurai named Miyamoto Musashi wrote the Book of Five Rings. And uh, to be directed towards your question is that most people don't understand is that excellence in anything will increase your potential in everything. So people at a high level, let's say they're very successful in business, right? And I mean, billionaire, right? What is their home life? What do they like as a father? What do they like as a husband? What do they like in their fitness, right? How is their health? And so the attribute is that they all have this burning desire for something, whatever that is. But what they don't realize is excellence in anything increases your potential in everything. And so what I get them to see is that, listen, you don't have, this isn't, most people, they call it balance. Well, first of all, there's no such thing as balance in life. Life does not have balance. It doesn't. Meaning you might spend more time on your job. <laughs> right? That's probably going to happen if you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner or you're so, like, it just is, man. But when I can get them to see, look, you're already a one percenter. You have a billion dollars or you have a multi-million dollar company or you have the house on the hill and, and the, the house on the, the island and you have, you have all these things, right? You've driven yourself to get there. You're very smart. Maybe they did some great investing. Maybe they've done whatever. And then you look at them and they're way overweight. Their health is shit. Their home life sucks. They're on their fourth wife, right? You're like, because you think these are different. You think those are two different guys. You think that those are two different people. It's not. Same guy. How do we take your desire and ambition to have the things and build the things that you want and turn it over? And I've done it both ways. I'll give you a great example. I have a, a guy who's a CEO, was easily 150 pounds overweight like on all kinds of medication. And the funny part is he was calling me about scaling his business. Like he wanted to bring it to another level, right? I want to get to this next level. That's why he originally called. All I did was got him focused on himself as from a health perspective. And, and he was losing his wife at the time. Like she was like, yo, I've just basically had enough. You know what I mean? And so we focused on, on the marriage and we focused on his, we focused on the business. And we, and when he got his, when he got that shit right, when he started to get up, when he started to make better choices with his food, started making better choices with what he drank, started making better choices, started being attentive to his wife in the moments that they were, because he wasn't going to get more time with her. But the time he spent, if I could, we call it a hundred or nothing. Yo, give me a hundred or fucking don't do it with me. I don't want you here. If you're coming in at 99%, no, thank you. I got no time for it. Good enough isn't. You're being good enough at home. You're great at business. You're being good enough at home. That doesn't count, man. I'm not here. Anybody out here to want to play good, play mediocre, play average? Dude, when you ask that question, people are like, hell no. Okay, well, that's what you're doing. Flat newsflash, right? 
So when we got his home life right, man, his wife was like, yo, he's all of a sudden, right? I get to make love. I get to all these cool things. Like we're holding hands. I'm going to hold hands in years. And guess what happened to his business? Through the roof, far beyond what it could ever do. Because now he's better at his, he's better at work. The people are loving him. He's got this new ambition. He's got this new vigor, right? He's attentive. He understands hundred or nothing. When I'm here, I'm a hundred. That way, when I go there, I can be a hundred there, right? I'm not in and out, in and out, 60, 40, right? Trying to just dab my toe in the water. No, nah, man, go in hundred percent when you're there. Even if it's five minutes, give me the best damn five minutes I've ever had in my life, right? Look me in the fucking eye. Stand up straight, posture. I but when I'm saying like all those guys, all, I mean not just guys, women, but at that level, they compartmentalize very well. But they don't be that same person at home. They don't be that same person in their health. And when they start living that way, and now that circle of life, all those little spokes start to really get strong. Everything gets better. Everything. And I've done it with a guy with a fitness guy, shredded man. This dude has got. The- greatest body. I learned from him. I'm asking him questions like, and he's a, but his business was suffering. But one of the things that he did is every morning he was up at three 30, he would read and he would go to the, he would go to the gym and he just, but he didn't feel like that same killer in business. Like he was like, Oh, I haven't put in enough time. I haven't. And I said, no, no, you're, well, you're not going to be anybody different. You are who you are today. And that guy's good enough. Look at this dude. That guy is great. This dude is one of the most disciplined human beings I've ever seen. All we got to do is get you to believe that you're that same guy over here. Dude, that first year, 10, well, about seven and a half X'd his business. Good Amazing seven. what belief yeah. can do. Like just that foundational piece in yourself. Like you said, I think you start at home and everything else builds on top of it. You said a hundred or nothing. I do want to ask you though, like I agree with that. 99% of it anyways, but at the same time, life can throw you curveballs. Sure. And life can kick you in the groin and then kick you when you're down. Yep. So has there been a time, can you tell us a little bit about like your biggest fall and then the adversity that you faced to overcome that? (laughs) Well, after baseball, I was in, I started in real estate. And so I went, I started in real estate in 2000, 2001. By 2004, I got my license because we needed to cut the realtor out from everything that we were doing. And then from there, 2007 hit in the United States of America. And we pretty much lost everything. It was a start over for sure. From properties to cars to you name it. You know what I mean? Cause like, you know, company wide as well as personal. Yeah. Everything was gone, man. The amount of money we were over leveraged, right? We had big loans on everything. We were using other people's money to, to do what we were doing at the time. And when that goes away, because the loans went away, the lines of credit went away right? Everything cinched up super tight. And when you're running over leveraged, which we were because we could for so long that you get into that habit, it's a really hard habit to break that even when you see the margin shifting, you start shifting other things, not really paying attention to what's happening and saying, Hey, maybe we shouldn't put two more houses under contract and start flipping. Like maybe we should just get through these. We didn't do that. We we were, the velocity was fast. The, the game was furious until it wasn't. And so that was a moment of realization. And it was a moment for me that goes back to accountability. And you can stand there and blame. I can sit here and blame 
the economy. I can blame the mortgage-backed securities and all the loans that were fake and all the stuff, like all the movies that you've seen about it, right? There's plenty of movies out there now, if you didn't go through it, that are out there that are pretty, pretty interesting, accurately depicted weird. But so it was easy to sit back and blame somebody else, even blame partners who were like, no, let's keep going, you know, that were even go against the grain at times. And that was a moment for me to really, truly answer your question that I had to look in that mirror and say, hey, look, these are your choices. Nobody made you do it. Nobody told you to do it, right? Maybe I got some advice along the way, but at the end of the day, I made that choice. So you need to stand up for what, you know, and say, okay, so if I can take responsibility for all of that, for all the loss, for everything, for all of it, right? And in that moment, that portion of the ego that liked having nice, like the big stuff and you know what I mean? Like high on it and all the Instagram shit you see today, right? Is you get away from that, that ego, that guy, that day when I walked out of that house, we, we, we ended up short selling my, my primary residence, but I got through all the way to 2010 because I wanted to make sure my girls had a great place to live. And so I fought to keep it as long as I could, but then it was just throwing really good hard-earned money at a bad investment because we were still underwater and it wasn't coming that far back that soon. So it was time to make it, it was time to make that decision. But I, I saw it through seven, eight, nine, 10 into 11 so that those girls had a great house. They had, they weren't rocked at all by dad's shitty decisions and not even bad decisions, just lack of knowledge and not understanding, right? My dad's lack of understanding. And so it was like, all right, well, I'm going to suck it up and, and figure this thing out. And it ended up being the best thing ever to happen, right? Well, you hear that all the time is that you don't learn a lot from from your wins. You learn a lot from your failures. And again, that's the truth. But today, I don't necessarily look for failure. What I look at is at guys like Kobe Bryant or Tom Brady, like the, the Patriots, right? And how do you win over and over and over and over, right? It's so rare in anything in life, to be honest is because your goal is to get to that level, whatever that level is for you, whether you're buying houses, whether you do whatever, it doesn't matter, right? But it's very rare that the next year you're just as good or better, and then you're better, and then you're better. And so again, now I'm just constantly in love with the process. What do I do every day? Keep doing that. And then if that needs to adjust based on the result that we're getting, then we adjust the process. Yeah, I have big goals. Yes, I have a lot of things that I want to get to, but none of that is happening if I don't do the shit I need to do today. And and those failures, yeah, they've taught me, but it's not fun, right? Like I want all of you listening and you guys like, I don't want you to have to go through that failure. I want you to learn from my failures. I want to teach and I want to coach and I want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not afraid to tell you, look, I got my ass kicked. Please listen. I can help you. I can tell you. Even if put the knowledge, put the stuff out there, let people see it. Because my goal today, I do not want to go to the grave with anything that I got taught or learned in me. Somehow, some way, I need to pass it on to somebody else so that it can keep living. That's really important to me today is that I, there are no secrets, man. Like anybody who's not, screw it. Tell them everything because there's plenty to go around. Plenty, plenty. Don't hide it. If you know something, if you can help somebody, fucking help them talk about it. Be there. That's what I do today. Today, that's what this is built out of. I'm not going to great. I'm not going to the grave with any of it inside of me. I'm going to tell you, tell it to everybody who can take it and, and they can tell it to the next person. So it lives long beyond me.
And I love your passion and desire for just wanting to help people. It's common in every conversation we have with you. You just have a burning desire to want to help. And that's such a great transition as we move into the giving component of some of this. And what does that desire and passion for wanting to help people do for you in inspiring to work harder and create more? Like, why should people pursue success with the idea of using it to give back? Yeah, that's why you're great at what you do, man. Good. That's that's probably the greatest question that you could ask anyone. Because at the end of the day, I think I was telling you this story. There was a guy by the name of Joe Polish, great speaker, influencer. You find him on the internet. But years ago, I was at a conference, um, actually sitting front row and he was a, he was a keynote and he came walking out and he said, and you're talking like everybody in that room was very high level people with businesses and, and that kind of stuff. And he walks out and he's like, Hey, before I get started, I got a question for you. Anybody ever told it, raise your hand if anybody ever told you that money can't buy you happiness and everybody raises their hand, right? Anybody ever heard that money's the root of all evil and everybody's, he's like, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Let me tell you something. Anybody that those words come out of their mouth, it's because they haven't given away enough. Even right now, I got the chills, like chills over my body. Every hand went down. Everybody looked around. Yo, that just changes your perspective, right? It's like, oh shit, hell yeah. Like now you're talking. Now it's bigger than me, right? It's not about, oh, I need this and I need, no, it's hold on a second. What can this do? What can it do for me, right? For me, look, don't, let's not be clear. There's a selfish part of this. It's okay. I want people to know that. Yo, it's okay to strive to make a million dollars a day if you want. That's okay. Don't let anybody tell you any different, for real. But the only way that's going to happen is if you know what that can do, maybe it's generational wealth, maybe it's something for your family, other people. But then when you start to reach out beyond that, it changes. It'll reinvigorate you on the days when it gets tough. Because the days that get tough and it's just for you, you won't do it. We easily let ourselves down. Easily let ourselves down. Every fucking day. Every day. Every People listening right now, I promise you, you let yourself down today. You told yourself you were going to do something and you didn't do it. You're like, no, no, no. Bullshit. Bullshit. I don't care if it was you said you were going to get up at 6 and you got up at 6.01. You let yourself down. But it's only a minute. No, it's not. It's a chink in the armor. It's not. It's not just a minute. It's not just one time. It's not. Stop saying that. But now when you get outside of yourself, wow, how that changes things. How has it changed for you along the way? Obviously, you were uh, successful and you've done a lot of things for yourself. As you started doing things for others, how did it change for you? Well, so it's that perspective, right? I would tell you first and foremost, it came from coaching. Obviously, I was an athlete, right? My dream was to be a baseball player. Went on to play at Gonzaga, got to play for the Reds, got to play for the Diamondbacks, got to run on fields with 50,000 people in the stands, right? Loving you or hating you. <laughs> like, And along the way, guess what? I've had some really amazing coaches, mentors, people in my life to to help me right along the way. So I want to start with this side of things that for people to understand because they're like, well, okay, we don't make the money you make. I don't have that kind of bank account. Okay, great. I get it. I get it. I hear that shit all the time. But I'm going to tell you right now, nothing has been better than when I get to give my time. When I get to stand there and show a kid how to hit that ball off a tee, how to get their hands in the right position, their feet in the right position, and see a kid do it. 
knowing that for the rest of his life, he's going to hear me say, right, left, catch, get your hand out, right, left, catch, that he's going to keep that in his head for the rest of his life, that I have now helped that young man, right? The time is something that we miss. Don't get me wrong. We need money and people need money and it can go a long, long way farther than you even imagine, right? So for me, here's the thing. A lot of times in the financial side of things, you don't really see what it does. It might come out later, but when you give somebody your time, you see it, it's instant. So if those of you that are out there right this second that want to feel better, about yourself that want to have the most amazing feeling in your life, go give your time to somebody that needs it. Go give it to a shelter. Go serve some food. Go, you know what I mean? Help a lady across the street, whatever. There are so many small acts that can change your life because what it does to you, it raises and elevates you. Like we have to elevate the consciousness of humanity. We all need to rise up. We all need to be the best version of ourselves, right? That doesn't just come from handing somebody a million bucks. That doesn't just come from one time helping somebody to their car, whatever. Like that doesn't. But what happens is each time you do it, you raise your game. You raise your level. You become better. And when that happens, guess what? You inspire others to do the same. That's the difference is that Everybody's looking for that inspiration. Everybody. There's guys that inspire you guys. There's guys that inspire me. You know what I mean? No shit. I'm like, holy cow. I think I was telling you this story pre-show or maybe another time when you and I were talking, Randy, is that. So one of the companies that I used to run and, and operate was a Keller Williams, which is a real estate company. And one of the things that they do, which is really cool, is they do what's called a red day and they they stop one day of the year. I think it's usually in May. That the whole entire corporation, like worldwide, on this single day, they don't do real estate. They get into their community and they actually give back to the community, right? And so we found this Zoe International, which is a sex trafficking, that they extract these kids and they get them and they were building a home for these kids up in the mountains. It's like private. You can't even know. Like we had to sign, sign these things because, you know, the, those people that are after those kids, like, they find them again and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, we were on that property and and all they wanted, all they needed was hands. They just needed people. They just needed to clear some stuff and do some stuff. And while we were there, the lady that, that was in charge of that particular facility came down. She showed us the specs, what they were building, why they were building it. And she gave us the whole backstory. Beautiful company, everything. These people, again. And one of the questions we asked was like, well, how do you get donations, right? How do you pay for this stuff? This is some pretty, this in, this is in California, it's some pretty pricey land, right? Getting this stuff done and pushed through and all the different permits. I mean, especially in LA County is crazy expensive, right? And so she says, well, this particular project's $2.8 million from the ground up to get it all done. This is what it is. This is how big it is. 2.8 million. And she said, we raised much money. We got to I don't know, remember what it was. Fair enough, just so it's easier numbers. We got to 1.8 million and we had a million dollars left, right? To raise, to get to where we needed to go. And this person heard it, got up, grabbed his checkbook, wrote a check for a million bucks, pulled it out and handed it to us, handed us a million bucks so that we could, that we were now funded and we could complete the project. And in that moment, like I was like, I looked at uh, my buddy next to me and I was like, that's what I want to do. Remember I was telling you, you get inspired. Like I just got the chills in my body, like, I was like, I want to be that dude that you can just pull out and 
write a check. Never even see it. Don't even worry about it. I oh, know. Go get them. Here. Take it. It's fine. Doesn't even cha- doesn't change my life whatsoever. Right. And again, it's a cool thing, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously that was something, but I can tell you this building that company that was always in the back of my mind. It's still in the back of my mind as we build optimal self and we do these things. Like I keep th- that's in the back of my mind. Look, we can keep giving. We can keep giving. We can keep giving. How many books can we donate? Right. How many kids can we get? this in their hand where they have a planner where they can start to plan their life and plan their day. And we give them little prompts to make them better. Like, how do we get it to them? Who's next? What's the group that we can look for? So we start there, right? And then what does that do? It brings in some money and now we can, and now we can help fund some other projects and do some stuff like that. So it's all perspective. And I don't know what that is for each person listening. I really don't, but I'll tell you this, put it in your mind and you'll find it. You'll start to be aware of it. You'll start to look for those moments. Start with just giving your time. Start there. That's It's priceless. And then as you start going, you're going to find those things that start to drive you, though you're going to find those things. But only action does that. Don't sit around and wait for motivation or wait for inspiration. No, go do some shit. Take some action. Go grab a rake. Go grab a hammer. Go help somebody build something. Start there because that you can give. You're like, I don't have any money. Well, you got time, motherfucker. I promise you that. <laughs> you wasting, you wasting more than so true, man. And I think that's something that most people don't take into full account. Is doesn't matter where they are in life, you do have something to give. Whether it's your time, your knowledge, your strength, your money, shelter, food, like you have a skill set, and that skill set can be used for somebody else. And that's something that I think that's. Uh, uh, really resonates with me from years back and growing to grow our business. We have multiple different ways to give now, but just kind of as we transition into the towards the end of the podcast and we have a, a giving round to go, which is a bit of a rap, rapid fire piece. There's one question I want to ask you, which is tell us about a story that is still gives you goosebumps today. We've had a couple different sessions of goosebumps already in this conversations, but more specifically around a time that you've given that is just like top in your memory that always gives you goosebumps every time you think about it, every time you share it, but it's something that you've gave something important. Man, there's a few that, that I don't really share because they're kind of, it's that like personal thing, you know what I mean? Where, but I'll tell you something that at a moment where I didn't, I'll give you this one because it's something where we don't really realize what little bit that we give and how far it goes. So at the COVID, when we were trapped in our houses and all that kind of nonsense, and I was, we, I love to travel, big fan of the Riviera Maya through like, Cancun all the way to Tulum. Puerto Vallarta is another great place. So the resorts weren't open, but Mexico opened flights on June 8th of that year, 2020, this would be. And my girlfriend and I flew in June 9th. We're like, it's open. We're out of here. We found this Airbnb, this penthouse in just outside of Cancun. Beautiful place. A Canadian guy that, that does these places. Beautiful place. Anyways, so one of the nights, the guy that he lives there now... And we were chatting with him and he was like, Hey, this one restaurant's really, it's a high end restaurant, but they're, they're opening it just for a few hours. And I can get you guys in if you want to go. Cause we were just, we went to the grocery store and we were just cooking food, looking at the beautiful, right? Like just to be out of our house. Right. And so we're like, hell yeah, get us a reservation. Right. And so we got this card of a taxi. So we called the taxi guy, comes out, picks us up takes us and he says, I mean, it's literally like an eight minute drive and she speaks Spanish. And so she's speaking Spanish. And when we got, we, and so when we, we were leaving, I went to pay him. He said, no, 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 I want to take you back. I'll wait for you guys. I'm like, 
buddy, we're going in to have some wine. I'm probably going to have a Johnny Walker Blue and watch the sun. It might be two or three hours. He's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'll wait. And at the time, you don't think anything of that. You're like, okay, cool. He wants to wait. Well, whatever. We don't have to call anybody else. No big deal. So we go in just so it was probably an hour longer than we even anticipated, right? Because again, it was first time out. There were people in there. There was music playing. It was wonderful, right? And so come walking out thinking, oh, there's no way this guy stuck around. No way, right? Sure enough, man. By the way, at that point, the word was out that this place was open. So there's a hundred taxis lined up. Like guys like, hey, 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 hey. Then I see him out of the corner of my eye. He jumps out of the, comes around this bush. He's like, Senor, senor. And I was like, oh, hey, there he is. I was like, told me, I was like, hey, babe, there he is, right? So we get in the car and we're going back. I'm like, man, thanks for waiting. He tells her in Spanish, and again, I, I can only catch a few. He tells her in Spanish that this is his first fair in what? March, April, May, four months, four months. Okay. And he lives an hour away. So I want you guys to hear this. He got his little suit on grabbed his car, drove an hour to pick us up to drive us eight minutes, waited three plus hours for another eight minute drive. It's literally a $10 fare. You guys hear this? $10. That's what he's charging me. So in my pot, all I had a hundred dollars in twenties on me, right? So I pulled it out. I told her, I said, you got to get, get out of the car. And she's like, what are you doing? I said, yeah, I know how she is. She's, you know, First of all, it's her motherland. Like she's going to start crying. And so I, I hand him the money, hand him a hundred bucks, hundred bucks. I just got the chills for you, Steve. And he looks back at me, tears in his eyes. No, 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 sir. No, 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 no. I said, yes, yes. Have a good night. And I got out. So he couldn't say no, got out, shut the door, waved to him, grabbed her. We started walking into the place. Okay. Now we call him a few days later to leave, right? To take us to the airport. As we're driving to the airport, he starts crying, tells her that because of that, there was the first time that they even had and turned on the electricity in their house. They hadn't had electricity for three months. Wow. And I mean, again, she's telling me this, she's crying. I'm like, holy cow, right? He's, my family is so grateful. My wife said to say thank you, right? He gives me this hug, those kind of hugs, like that thank you for everything hug. You know what I'm saying? And- you're like, and in that moment, it goes back to oh, what, what else can we do? Who, who else can we help? Come on. This is, this is horseshit. What can we do? We got to do something. We got to do something more. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to go in and get as much money of that machine will hand me. And I'm just going to go around all these taxi dudes and start being like, dude, because he's like, we're tourism, right? We live off of you guys, off of people coming in. And here's the thing, man, like a hundred bucks. I mean, and these guys are getting food. They're getting shelter. They're turning their lights on there. We'll be good for now a month or two. You know what I mean? Well, thank you so much. It's, we don't really realize how, what that little tiny bit can do and pay attention. I just say this all the time, man, just cause she asked me later, like, why? And I said, well, listen, I'm very aware. I knew something was up that this dude sat around the corner waiting for us. And guess what? Every few minutes he had to look up to see if we were walking out that door because he wasn't part of the the whole taxi crew that got to park in front, right? His company or whatever he works for, they didn't have that contract. So he literally had to sit off on the side and keep looking over probably every five minutes for two and a half hours, making sure we didn't walk out and get another one 
Do you, do you see what I'm saying? We got to be aware of what's happening around you. You got to be aware of what you see in the people. And that's what I told her. I said, look, I don't even have to speak Spanish. I knew in that moment that I knew him driving me back. That's what I was going to do. I'd already made that decision because I'm like, yo, if this dude's going to stick around, this is way bigger than, and I don't need to know the story. I don't. That's what we all have to understand is that's, it's really none of my business, to be honest with you. It's none of my business. He he wasn't asking for a handout. He wasn't like, hey, we haven't had a, he wasn't saying it in ways that he wasn't. It's none of my business. But if if you pay attention to what people need and want, it's right in front of our face enough of the time to say, hey, look, maybe this helps you. And if it does, fantastic. And then move on. Don't look for something in return. It just happens. The guy drives us. I get to know that story. If I never see him again, that's okay too. That wasn't the purpose. I get to tell you the story because we did see him again, right? But that wasn't it, man. I just knew in that moment that there's shit going on bigger than me and I have an opportunity to help this dude. So I'm going to do it. Whatever comes out of it, it comes out of it. That's beautiful. Something that I, I was just sitting on and reflecting as you were telling that story is this little sentence I heard once before where it's not because you can, it's because you should. Yeah. And that entire story, that was just like going throughout my brain. Thank you for sharing that. No, well said, man. Thank no, Thank you for asking. And I don't tell that story ever <laughs> because again, it's nobody's business. It's just, but if we can bring some awareness to ourselves, it's not about, again, there's so many opportunities before us to to do the right thing, to do something good, or even something that's going to benefit you. But when you're down and you're not focused on the greater good, when you're not focused on those kind of things and trying to be your optimal self or the best version of you and thinking like, if you're not just, just if you start to get on that page with yourself, there's so many opportunities that people miss because there's, there's a great man where what I think it was a um, Harvard study and they did it with people and they said, okay, they took two groups of people, right? 50 people in each group. Right. And they asked these people straight up, do you think you're lucky or is it, are you the person that's, oh, no, my neighbor's lucky. That dude, everything good happens to him. Right. Like you had one of two choices. Either you believe you're the person that's lucky or you believe that the other people are lucky. They got all these people, hundred people, and then they split them up. If you picked, no, it's the other person or you picked, I am. Okay. They told them both, listen, go down around the corner. There's a coffee shop. Right. And on your way there, there's the $20 bill. Right. There's going to be a $20 bill somewhere. Just see you later. Go. They let, and 90% of the people that said they believe that they're lucky and good things happen to them found the, saw the $20 bill in plain sight, not hidden. Just walk, just go. Only 12% of people that believed everybody else is lucky. Same spot, same everything. Didn't find it. Didn't see it. Only a few because it's how we think. Like we, ha- I said this to you, to you before, we have to raise the consciousness of humanity, but it starts with us. Because if you're not listening and paying attention, you're going to miss those moments to change somebody's life. Fuck, just to tell them hi, just to smile, right? Like just that little bit. Man, we could sit here and talk about giving all day with you, dude. I love that story. And I love, uh, I think, like I said, that's just the passion of fire that you bring out when you tie that in with making money and giving back and going bigger to give bigger. Mm. Uh, Dude, you are an example of that. And I'm so glad that you were able to come share some stuff with us. But before we let you go, we got to get you through the giving round. Let's do it. So it's rapid fire, quick answer questions, and just off the top of your head. So we'll start by brag on one charity that you like. 
Rag on one chair. I, I would say Zoe International, no question. No question. It's what gets you more jacked up? Donating a million dollar check or spending a week physically helping others? Physically helping others. Nice. Who inspires you with their giving? Oh man. So people. The one that comes to mind the biggest is Tony Robbins. Feeding a billion people. That's a huge undertaking, man. And and so that's the thing that comes to mind. Great one. We haven't had that yet. Do you think that People, maybe mainly entrepreneurs, should start giving at the very beginning of their business or after they've seen some success and some money in the bank. Give first. Success will always come. If you're giving, whether it be your time or money, even if it's five bucks a deal or whatever, a dollar a deal, do it. Do it. Do it first. Don't wait. There's no reason to wait. I mean, there's just no reason. Just go give because that one dollar can make a difference today when you're making 10 million. And now you've given away, now you've given away a million, right? Like go do it, do it now. Don't wait. It's a great answer. I love that. Giving can be in so many different forms and you've already shared a few different ways. What's one unique way that you give back? I mean, it goes back to just, it goes back to time, man. It goes back to the things I look at my skill set and I look at the things that I, that, that in my lifetime I've done well. And I try to find ways to give that back. Cause I, I think without question, I know that life is about your level of skill. It's not talent. That's bullshit. I'm not saying you can't be talented. I'm not saying that not being able to jump higher and run faster and be seven foot tall doesn't help. That's not my point. But it's the skills that anybody can learn something. If you're willing to learn, you can have anything you want in this world. That's the difference. And so for me, that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to keep, I want to be able to, to coach and teach so that people understand that, dude, just be willing to learn. Be open to learning. Be open to growing your skill set. So the skills that have got me where I am, rather you, and again, I'm nowhere even near where I want to go, not even close. But if I can help somebody with what I know and that I've learned with a skill, I know that'll last them forever. I know that meal will be great. I know that dollar will be fine. But man, if I can help you with a skill and you can take that with you, it's forever. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. I'm going to say elated because it's an internal thing, but the word that comes to mind the most is impact. And that's something that matters. I want to leave an impact. If I can leave a positive impact, that's what I get when I give. Beauty, man. And to wrap it all up, the question we ask everybody, you've already brought it up in this show already. Hmm. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? (laughs) One million percent. (laughs) Hell yeah. This just gives you more that you can give away and help, man. For sure. For sure. Man, Huey has been inspiring having you come on, sharing all about your optimal self and how we can perform better and give bigger. It's been super amazing having you come on. Thank you so much for your time, Jeremy. We really appreciate it. And we couldn't be more stoked to have you come in and share your inspiring stories of how we can go bigger and give bigger. So thanks for coming on the show, man. No, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks for doing everything you're doing. Thanks for bringing it to the forefront. Because the more you get to talk about it, the more people get aware of it and the more people that'll give. So you guys are awesome, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, 
Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.